Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's a- All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is anchor man, not anchor lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. Last hour, spoke with Senator Eric Schmidt and Hans von Spakovsky. And uh, we're going to speak with Chairman Jason Smith in, it's probably going to be about 20 minutes. We got a contact from uh, Chairman Smith's folks and they're voting on something. So if it's a little delayed, that's fine. We said take your time. We'll get to you when when you can get to us. And they're working on making that possible. The president yesterday had an un I don't know that it wasn't unscheduled necessarily in his schedule, but it wasn't really something that was made aware to the media that he was going to go have uh, uh, his annual exam. Heard a little bit about that in Wiggins, America, with some of those Jimmy Fallon uh, jokes he told. They were funny. I laughed out loud, especially at the what did he say? Shuffling 10,000 steps a day. Uh Wanders. Wanders. Yeah, that's better than I do on most days. So he's got me there. Let's listen to the CBS News report on it. And we are learning new details tonight from President Biden's annual physical. The commander in chief's doctor says the 81 year old is, quote, fit for duty. The report said the oldest president to hold office is healthy, active, robust and occasionally coughs due to acid reflux. It said his stiffened gait was the result of arthritis, a previously broken foot, and neuropathy in his feet. Dr. Kevin O'Connor at Walter Reed noted the president still uses a CPAP machine to help with his sleep apnea, and he identified no new concerns. So that was the report as it was uh, revealed to America after he took that that or had that annual exam yesterday. Kevin McCarthy is ruffling some feathers in the administration because of what he had to say about Joe Biden. Now, as you can imagine, Kevin McCarthy has spent some time with the president in 
more closed quarters than what we're used to seeing through the TV screen on the other side of a camera lens. Now, Brad, I would say you do not have to have some sort of medical degree to look at President Biden and at least say that he looks every bit of 81. Yeah, that's not required. I mean, you watch him, you know, talk the way he walks. Um, I've had both all of my grandparents have since passed away. But as my grandparents got older, you could see a difference. I remember them when I was younger and, and how they would walk and do things and how toward the end of their life they would be slowing down. They wouldn't walk as fast. Um, they would get my name confused with some of my older uh, cousins and I stuff do that like with that. My kids right now, yeah. Well, my mom still does <laughs> yeah. that. My mom will yell at us and go through all of our names twice before she got. If I say one right. kid's name, they all four just show up. Yeah, it's like uh, she's she probably talking about us. But um, like you watch him, and and the same thing. My my grandpas would do that, all sorts of things. So yeah, his he looks every bit his age, and he acts every bit his age. But here's the thing. What when your grandparents are 80 years old, what are what are they spending their time doing? I think about my grandmother who lived to be every bit of 95. We were playing pinochle with her and she was a fine pinochle player mm-hmm. up uh, through her whole life. And pinochle is not. It's not like war where you're like, this card's bigger than this card or whatever. There's some thinking and some strategy and some, uh, I guess, risk or whatever involved in Pinnacle. But my grandma could absolutely sit down and play Pinnacle. In fact, I think it may have helped keep her mind sharp. She did all the housework in her home. She would do a lot of the yard work in her yard and she would do it at her pace and she would do what she could. And then she would stop. She -hmm. could know what her limits were. She cooked for herself. She loved to bake. Um, And she played handbells so she was still reading music up until she was 95 years old and able to play handbells which is a skill she could do all of those things but she knew what her limit was and I remember her you know the steps that you had to go up to to get to the balcony she had to think about those steps when she was going up to the balcony to play bells at church she was in her 90s she was incredibly youthful for her 90s but the ask of her was simply Whatever it is that she wanted to do with her time, and if she needed to sit down and take... I remember I'd put Christmas decorations up for her every Black Friday, and we'd be putting decorations up, and she'd be like, why don't we just sit down for a minute? And I didn't need to sit down, Mm -hmm. but she needed to sit down. Mm -hmm. And it took me... I would be like, oh, I'll just keep going, I'll just keep going. I didn't realize until maybe I was in my mid-20s and my 30s that maybe I should sit down with Grandma. Yeah. Because she needs the break. Cognitively, was she as sharp at 95 as she was at 45? No, but nobody is. The idea that President Biden is in a position where there is a sense of decline, that doesn't mean a decline in value as a human being at all. We just don't ask our 81-year-olds to do what we're asking Joe Biden to do. Yeah. And and, and the, the rapid pace that the presidency ages people even when they start young, look at Barack Obama mm-hmm. in 2008. Look at Barack Obama when he was out. It was eight years, and he aged in eight years more than we would age in eight yeah. years. That's just what happens. So uh, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, this is from Fox Business reporting on this. He said he still has a teleprompter when you meet with him behind closed doors. He spoke to the bottom line co-host of Fox Business. But the teleprompter are cards. I found when I met with him, it could be just a couple of them, he would read from the card. So when the president is having 
a meeting with the Speaker of the House, he has card prompts in front of him. McCarthy said that it was difficult to, quote, deviate from Biden during private negotiations, referencing when he spoke with the president on the debt ceiling. McCarthy said he just sticks to the cards. And if you go, if you deviate from the cards, he can't continue on. He can't continue onward there. So if the if the conversation went off of what the cards in front of him said, Joe Biden couldn't hang in the conversation. Mm. McCarthy said, look, he has served the country regardless whether you like it or not. I respect the man for serving the country. I thank him for that service. But he is not of the age that is best to be able to serve to be serving in the presidency, especially the position that he is going is going to go forward with what I have watched. Sir and serve again. McCarthy also said that he has known Biden for a long time and that the president was no longer, quote, the same man as he was in previous years. So does it matter that the president can't have a negotiation with the person who he needs to that he needs to be sharp and negotiate with the most, the Republican Speaker of the House, because the the Democrat president of the United States and the Democrat majority leader in the Senate, there's not. Yeah, a lot of tug and pull and and compromise and stuff that needs to take place there. You figure out what you want and what you think you can get, and you go for it. You need to be able to have those conversations with the opposition that controls half of the bicameral Congress. And Joe Biden can't go off the cards. Then the question is, who wrote the cards? Who determines what goes on the cards? Who prioritizes this makes it this doesn't? Who is that person? Now, in any administration, you're naturally going to have a team of advisors that are advocating and lobbying for their viewpoint to be amplified or prioritized. And what the job of the president, in my opinion, the job of the president is to surround himself with the smartest, wisest, most experienced people that he can who are confident in articulating their positions who are strong in articulating their positions, who are not afraid to dissent from the other people in the room who are doing the same sort of confident articulating of positions, where you're looking at, I got six experts in the room because I got to decide something on this per- particular situation. And you got to listen to them. And they, you can't have six, you can't have six yes men, yes people. Do we say yes people? You can't have six yes people. That sounds like a, that sounds like a Sesame Street show, the yes people. The Sesame Sesame Street show and the cabinet. You can't have six yes people sitting in the room where the president of the United States says something and they all just affirmatively nod their heads. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You need those people to go. Absolutely not. And this is why. Because they have a a particular set of skills, uh, maybe not Liam Neeson style, that will help you make the wisest decision. What I fear is that that card is being put together by somebody who wasn't voted to be there right? to say, you, you, and you, I like what you say. You, thank you for your contribution, but we're not going your direction because I have this set of experience and wisdom that says, this is what we're going to try to do. And then you have the next conversation, maybe go with the other guy the next time. The person who is voted by the American people into the office of the president is the one who has the people's mandate to make these decisions. Mm -hmm. And all they needed to do 
was put a warm body in that position so that Donald Trump wasn't that guy. Who's making the cards? Who's giving him those talking points? What kind of representation do the American people actually have when it comes to those decisions being made in the executive branch of our government? I actually fear that it might be zero elected influence. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's, a, that's a scary part. Ryan from the peanut gallery has commented <laughs> on our private group chat here. He's sitting in his office and he says, it's not yes people, it's yes persons. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That would make him not a yes person. <laughs> that would make him a no people. So M- McCarthy is out there saying that when these negotiations were taking place, Joe Biden is not part of the negotiation. It's basically like you do what's on the card or it doesn't get done. And that's that's very problematic. For Joe Biden, politically, very detrimental to the country. Because it, you're not going to get a Republican co- uh, compromise. You're not going to get Republican influence in a discussion where if it's, on, if it's not on the card, it ain't happening. But that's the way we're running things these days. Uh, you know, it's interesting that Kevin McCarthy is kind of on the sideline right now. He can be in the spotlight in a yeah. different, different way right now that he wouldn't have been able to do in the speaker spot. Yeah. Man, you talk about him going off the cards, and they, that's just negotiations within the House. But the president is ahead, is in charge of foreign policy. And whenever you understand that he can't go off the cards that he's got, you look at the foreign policy decisions he's made and how things are going in the world, and you go, oh, well, that's why this is that way. He can't pivot or think on his feet. He's the commander-in-chief. And whenever people... Like, if you don't realize that, Commander-in-Chief is Commander-in-Chief of the United States Armed Forces. The United States military, he is the citizen commander of the United States military. When something goes off the rails for him policy-wise, you need your Commander-in-Chief to be able to command. You can't be shuffling the deck of cards right. to find out which card yeah. is on the... Vladimir Putin in Russia just said if NATO sends in troops, nuclear warfare will commence. Where's my cards? Yeah. You can't be that way. Man, America, 250 days. You got a choice. Uh, let's let's fix, what is it, the end of an error? <laughs> um, I'm going to play here Andy McCarthy reacting to the Hunter Biden situation. Listen to this. What I would do if I was walking him through these transactions is make a point of continuing to ask him, what was the value that you were providing for this money? What were they getting for it? Because I think everybody who looks at these transactions, the, the common sense deduction that you have to draw is that the only asset that's obvious here is access to Joe Biden and his political influence. It's not like they're providing a service or some kind of a thing of value that justifies $24 million coming in and being dispersed this way. So I think if he tried to say that that these were legitimate transactions, I would press on him about why it was necessary to pay in this peculiar way. Uh, and otherwise, I'd try to get him to acknowledge that the thing they were selling was what they euphemistically call the Biden brand. Mm. Uh, but what the rest of us, I think, in common sense, think of as political influence. So Andy McCarthy talking about leading question, leading these uh, lines of questioning with Hunter Biden, uh, because the idea here is, were you selling the Joe Biden brand? Yes or no? That's what we need to know. 
If we have proof, transactions, bank records, and communication from Hunter Biden with other people that all coincide on the same timeline that suggests that you were shaking down people for money, that you were working with uh, other foreign governments, especially ones that are not in America's <laughs> advocating for America's best interest to enrich your family and you were doing it on the name of the vice president of the United States, we got a problem with that. And if you listen to what the Democrats are saying, uh, Jamie Raskin coming out and AOC, she, of course, they had to throw her in there talking about how this is a huge nothing burger. They're so in lockstep about how absolutely nothing came of this and it should absolutely be done now. That's where the left is on this. And Chairman Jason Smith will be with us on the Annie Fry Show when we come back to tell us if he agrees with his uh, counterparts in colleagues in Congress. Was this a big nothing burger? Your representative right here in Missouri's 8th District, Representative Jason Smith, on the Annie Fry Show when we return. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Left a lot of us sort of chuckling. We, it, it made it seem like he could pull out the severed head of Victor Shokin, uh, <laughs> and they would still say, well, thank you for being so forthcoming. I think we can move along now. Yeah, you have Fox News' Jonathan Turley talking about the Democrats' uh, Kool-Aid man bursting through the door to be like, Hunter Biden is the best ever. We love him. He's innocent of everything. And these Republicans need to shut down this uh, circus now immediately. It, they, Like I said, they were in, in lockstep. And of course, AOC out there saying her piece. It's just hard to believe to me that that's the outcome. And that's why we wanted to bring our friend Congressman Jason Smith, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, on to talk about his experience yesterday. Chairman, thank you for being back with us. Good to have you. It's great to be with you, um, Annie. You know, listening to your your lead in talking about the Democrats <laughs> and seeing AOC's comments and the other leaders of the Democrat Party's comments. I mean, the Democrats um, want, want all the American public to to take Hunter Biden and the Biden family at their word. But but Joe Biden, he's lied to the American people when he said he had no knowledge of his son's business dealings. And then he lied when he said his son made no money from China. And, and Hunter Biden, 
lied to the IRS about his taxes. That's why you see nine federal charges against him in California. They've proven we can't take them at their word, and that is why this impeachment investigation is going forward. So when I hear my colleagues talk about that this case is closed, it's only closed if you actually believe the words coming out of the Biden's mouth. Because, because Annie, the evidence that came from the IRS whistleblowers proves everything that Hunter Biden said yesterday is not true, is not true. I mean, and plus we have WhatsApp messages that shows that he was leveraging his father to get money. They sent a WhatsApp message to a Chinese business, Chinese business associate and nine days later received five million dollars. And that was the, the message that said, I'm right here next to my father. We're waiting for your response. And then we've seen three hundred and twenty seven different emails that was between Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and and Hunter Biden's business associates. Don't tell me that his father was not involved because the evidence proves differently. I love that you're talking about the whistleblowers here, and I've been waiting all day to play this three-second clip for you because, stay with me here, here's Fonnie Willis in her trial saying this. The testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. And when she said that in, in her court case because someone was pressing on her, the testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. Seems to me like you have multiple witnesses with contradicting stories, and Hunter's defense is, I don't know, or I was high. That's the consistency that I'm seeing from where I am. His, his defense was, um, I may have been drunk or I may have been high. I mean, give me a break. You think any average American can use that? Hunter Biden believes that the Bidens, just because of having the last name Biden, you should be treated differently. And unfortunately, we've kind of seen that in the Justice Department. And that's why we're putting a lot of transparency in what this investigation is. And guess what? If if only one witness is required, we have two different IRS whistleblowers that had been investigating um, this tax evasion investigation of Hunter Biden for more than five years. We have a former um, business partner of Hunter Biden named Tony Bobolinsky that will tell you differently. We have Mr. Archer that says that he witnessed more than 20 different phone calls that Joe Biden was on with business associates. We have countless meetings that Joe Biden was in with Hunter Biden and his business associates. So he is simply not telling the truth. Have you have any of the te- has any of the testimony of your whistleblowers, your witnesses that you've had been proven to be, you know, factually incorrect, misleading or false? Not one from our two IRS whistleblowers. In fact, they have been um, collaborated by numerous other witnesses of different items. And one thing that the IRS whistleblowers highlighted to us in June is how they recommended felony charges of tax evasion several years earlier to the Justice Department against Hunter Biden, but nothing happened. And guess what? After that information was released, Hunter Biden was charged of what the IRS recommended in California. 
three felony counts, six misdemeanors. Yeah. We're speaking with Chairman Jason Smith. He represents Missouri's 8th District right here in our listening area and has been very up close with everything going on with the impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. This is all Hunter Biden uh, right now, but this is answering the big question. How was Joe Biden involved in this? I have a a listener here uh, that says, Annie, please ask Representative Smith if they plan on releasing the transcript to the public today. I believe Comer said yesterday he would in 24 hours. What's the status on the release of the transcript? Yeah, Chairman Comer said that he was going to release the transcript um, within the next day. So I assume sometime today it's going to be released. It it may have. I have not been um, paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that not only is that that transcript going to be publicly released, um, I look forward to Hunter Biden coming in for a public testimony so the American people can see for themselves what we saw yesterday. Yeah, Chairman, I was going to ask you about that because originally he's like, I'm not sitting down in a closed door meeting. Like, how can I trust that situation to to unfold in a fair way to Hunter? I want everything to be public. I want the American people to see everything. And now you guys have been able to work it out with them to get the deposition that took place yesterday. And I keep hearing folks like you and and your counterparts that I watched on Hannity and have seen on Fox News several times say, let's get to the public hearing. Are they going to play? Are they going to want to show up for that and do the public hearing that they originally wanted so bad? I don't know Um, what we have noticed. If if a Biden's lips are moving, you probably can't believe them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'll see if they follow through and actually come forward with. um, But if not, we'll subpoena them and we'll we'll put them before them before this before either judiciary or oversight. One of the other questions that um, was kind of posed by one of the listeners who knew that you were coming on and was anticipating hearing what you had to say, there's discussion over whether you guys have evidence, proof, uh, bank records even, that show and connect what you've learned from the witnesses, what you have gotten from Hunter's laptop, I presume, that there was money that came in that corresponds with the shakedown that that uh, Hunter Biden said yesterday. Oh, I was drunk and high. I didn't wasn't really sitting next to my dad when I had that conversation. Oh, and I like butt dialed the person or whatever it was. How do the bank records and the income that goes along with the shell companies that were formed? How does that align with witness testimony and the documents of communications that you have from his laptop? Numerous examples. And um, most of the evidence that I have been in charge of is the evidence coming from the two IRS whistleblowers, Mm -hmm. which has been the basis of this entire impeachment inquiry. What I will say is, is just a couple items um, for that listener to pay attention to. Um, Whenever, when you think about this WhatsApp message that the IRS whistleblowers gave us, that was from Hunter Biden to a Chinese business associate saying that, Um, We're waiting for your response. Um, I'm seated next to my father. If you don't follow through, um, we will use all our resources to go against you. Of course, yesterday he said that he was uh, he he couldn't recall that WhatsApp message. Maybe he was drunk or high during that time. Regardless, um, nine days later. Nine days later, $5 million came from that Chinese business associate that he sent the WhatsApp message. And that money ultimately 
400,000 of that 5 million was shifted from one of the LLC accounts to another one solely controlled by Hunter, and then 10% of that went to James Biden, um, and James Biden sent that to Joe Biden. The big guy. $40,000. The big guy. (laughs) I mean, I never butt dial anyone or accidentally text someone to get $5 million from China. Why doesn't this happen to me? I I have the wrong people. (laughs) If this is the case, Annie, I think you're going to see a lot of drunk people texting to try to get $5 million. Yeah, this is foreign adversarial countries. I mean, it's last question, because we know you have to go. We're speaking with Chairman Jason Smith, uh, Missouri's 8th District Representative. There is just the overarching umbrella, and it's like they're committing to the, themselves to the gag so much, because I don't know if they have anything else. But you mentioned it, the Biden arrogance that you can just keep on with, keep the ruse up, that you can keep the act up, and you'll get away with it. It seems like, for, from where I'm sitting, it seems like it's about to jump the shark. What's your what's your thoughts on the the attitude, the arrogance and the elitism coming out of this Biden family about what they are thinking they're going to be able to get away with? Without a doubt, Annie Hunter Biden believed all of this stuff, his legal troubles, the tax evasion, the influence peddling would all go away once his father became president and Hunter's demeanor. And the deposition confirmed that he he though he thought the financial and and political power of the brand, which the brand is his father, Joe Biden, would protect him. And it, it and if it weren't for the IRS whistleblowers, all of that probably would have gone away. Wow. American heroes to help get the truth out for sure. And we appreciate you uh, sharing that up close and personal experience that you're having with us here. I know there's a lot of constituents listening that are grateful for it as well. Chairman Smith, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Annie. Take care. Yep, you as well. Uh, He's been all over Fox covering this. Great to have him on the show. I mean, come on. Come on. You think? How dumb? I am not drunk. I am not high. I am not this impressionable and stupid to believe the the stuff you're shoveling. (laughs) Man. Go to break. (laughs) No, you can finish it. I was listening to that, and I was just like, wait. He wants us to believe that he was in a meeting, drunk or high, and these companies are like, yeah, I'll give you $5 million. Maybe I'm starting to understand why he was high all the time. Look what he was getting out of it. <laughs> Five mil from Chinese. <laughs> give me a break. Oh, come on, you lefties listening. You know it's crazy, too. You know it. Uh, we'll see if there's any justice done. We'll be right back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Only two times in life, probably four. Probably the most money I've ever handed him is $2,500. The least amount of money I've handed him, probably $2,500 and $1,000. He never wrote him a check? Ma'am, I don't have checks. Okay. Um, So you have no proof of any reimbursement for any of these things because it was all cash, right? The testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. So my question was, do you have any proof? Is that what you're intimating right here? I'm asking if you have any proof that you paid him any money. I mean, the proof is what I just told you. Did you ever pay him? It's like Bonnie Willis needed to say, judge, permission to treat the lawyer is hostile. (laughs) And then then 
she got granted on. That is so ridiculous. Uh, I wanted. I was thinking about this. That part of all of the sassy pants, Fonnie Willis stuff that was going on during that trial. That moment, like for whatever reason, really stuck out to me because she. It was like she opened her legal uh, textbook, which I'm sure is what you call it, to page. Uh, 452, and it's the testimony. What is it here? The the testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. And that stuck in my head. That phrase stuck in my head. Because now I'm thinking about the Hunter Biden situation and everything he testified to yesterday and the fact that it directly contradicts what a whole bunch of other witnesses said. And I'm like, if that is, in fact, in a textbook somewhere or even a law or whatever, the testimony of one witness is enough to prove a fact. If you only need the testimony of a witness to prove something, and you have one person's word against another person's word. I mean, unless the person is saying that they don't know, then there's got to be some perjury involved in that. And I just think that Hunter Biden is going to be going into this, has been going into this Will when they go to subpoena him to have the public testimony. Is he going to be able to get away with being like, I didn't do any of that. And if I did, I was drunk and high and I, my dad didn't know anything about it. <laughs> I love the the insinuation that she makes. Are you saying I might be lying? <laughs> well, that's what we're here to determine. Well, I, I would love to heard the uh, the attorney say, "Well, maybe you know. I mean, that's that's kind of why we're here is that you might be lying. That's why you're testifying." <laughs> <laughs> that that case, I I need to be all in or all out when I'm consuming information from it because it's not enough to just dip in and see her sassy pants attitude and leave it be. I need to know I need to know how this resolves itself. Otherwise it just ticks me off. It's weird because in the political world, I mean this hasn't quite gotten to Johnny Depp Amber Heard level testimony, but in the political world, this is now what Fonnie Willis is known for. Is this Oh, surprise testimony. She wasn't supposed to be a part of that. And she walks in and surprises everybody. Her lawyer sitting at the table like, oh, yeah. what are you doing? And now, you know, multiple witnesses and, and lots of people have, have given their testimonies. And there does seem to be some cross, uh, some facts that don't exactly line up with everybody. Her, we, we said this the day that it was happening. The tables have been so turned on her. Because she was trying to do a ridiculous prosecution for political purposes well, well, yeah. of a political enemy. And now, whoop, uh-oh, now it's well, on me. There <laughs> was like there are people speculating that she was doing this as a potential like lead up to a Senate run. I'm the one that got Donald Trump mm. or, a, or a governor run. And now it's looking like she's done done. Like yeah. there's like she's going to lose any ability to be a lawyer of any kind if they determine that she lied under oath. And it's just going to all blow up in her face. It's one thing to watch somebody who did something wrong get their comeuppance. It's another thing to watch someone who's arrogant about doing something wrong get their comeuppance. I'm here for the second. Yeah, it's pretty it's it, it is entertaining. I mean, despite the fact that we're talking about really serious stuff, this has been pretty entertaining. Do you remember when people were losing their minds in 2016 on Election Day? Yes. Yeah. What's that? Dun, 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 dun. What's that song called? Uh, is that William Tell Overture? Is it the William Tell Overture? I think so. There's a an amazing YouTube video of the arrogance. I remember John Oliver going, "Run, do it." It's about yeah. Donald Look Trump. Look in my eyes. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do like, it. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't. Uh, I will watch it though because that song starts playing and John Stewart is on it. Everybody from uh, MSNBC is on it. Hillary Clinton is on it. Everyone's talking about how obnoxious and laughable it is that Donald Trump is running for the presidency. George and Clinton. then, and then, yeah, Donald Trump is not going to be the president <laughs> of the United States. I could go, th- I, like, I almost have it memorized because I watch it when I want to feel better. That and game six of the 2011 World Series, which make me feel the same way inside. Anywho, you watch that and all of these people, the disgust and the disdain that they have for anybody who would even support Donald Trump, let alone be happy that he were going to be the president of the United States. And then all of a sudden the results start coming in and the William Tell Overture starts going, yeah, and it gets louder, it gets faster. And um, the young Turks guy is dropping Chick. F-bombs and throwing papers. Keeps cutting he's, to Wolf Blitzer yeah, going, oh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, yes. Florida, and Ohio. The young Turks, they're sitting there like, what is going on? Like they are <laughs> mentally breaking down in the moment. And then at the end, it stops and Donald Trump goes, sorry to keep you waiting. Complicated business. And then he was the president. I have goosebumps thinking about it. That was 2016. There were people like me who voted for him and was really excited on election night that Hillary lost. Then it was like, okay, what do we do now? (laughs) And I remember in my head thinking, President Trump? Like saying it in my head. strange. With, oh, and like, President Trump? What? And then we watched as he governed. And he governed as a conservative. And he earned my vote back in 2020. And he's got my vote in 2024 when he becomes the nominee because I already know what he's going to do. And I am living what Joe Biden is doing. And even more so, I'm living with the puppeteers who want Joe Biden to be the guy who's in place. And Kamala Harris, who, man, you want to talk about someone willing and able to be a puppeteer? She's part due of that whole experiment. The idea that you could look at Donald Trump and say, I don't think I can vote for him and know what it's like to exist in this world right now. How could you possibly make a decision that is best for you and your life and your family and your pocketbook and your freedom and your children and your children's children and so on and the future of this country and say, I need another four years of Joe Biden. Nobody's nobody's going to do that. You may not turn and vote for Donald Trump. And there are some people who can't cross that bridge. They just can't do it. But the disgust and the hatred for Donald Trump and the way it will manifest on the night of November 5th or whenever we get the results, should they show us that Donald Trump is the president? I don't think we've seen anything yet. Listen to Seth Meyers when he was with Biden. How do you address that concern going forward as you come up to the 2024 election? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't remember his wife's name. Yeah. And, uh, number one. <laughs> it's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that are 50, 60 years. They've been solid American p- positions. And, um, and I really mean this sincerely. The, uh, I think it's about, about the future. And everything, every single thing we've done, I think we've got some good things done. Everything, and we, they told us we couldn't get them done because things were so divided. And, uh, but I think everything, everything we've gotten done, he's just friendly stated he wants to do away with if he gets elected. And 
He doesn't say it here. This clip doesn't have it. But there's a part where Seth Meyers, oh, so arrogantly and disgustingly, plays the clip of Donald Trump at CPAC. And he talks about the first lady. She was a lovely first lady. People loved the first lady. And then the crowd cheers greatly for Melania. And he goes, oh, yeah, they like her. That's right. That's right, don't they? And he points over to his left, stage right, and he goes, that's right. You see that, Mercedes? Seth Myers, it's not in this clip here, but Seth Myers then goes, Mercedes? He starts talking about how Donald Trump called his wife the wrong name, Mercedes. And that's what Joe Biden is referring to in this clip, that Donald Trump called his wife the wrong name. And they're using that as a way to say, you know, there's Donald Trump's losing his step. Well, Donald Trump responded. Radical left Democrats are at it again. They're constantly making up stories about me because their candidate is a mental and physical basket case. There's never been anything like it. He's also <laughs> the worst president in the history of our country. He went on a very poorly rated show last night, and he talked about Donald Trump and his wife. I don't know the name of my wife. He was referring to the fact that at CPAC, where I had a sold-out speech, the biggest audience they've had in years, I think maybe ever, I made the statement that Melania was very popular because when I mentioned her name, the audience went wild. I then looked at the two people, man and wife, Matt and Mercedes Schlapp, and I said, wow, they really like the first lady. So this got taken as the fact that I thought Mercedes was the first lady. It has nothing to do with that. These people are really dishonest. They are absolutely something. Then he went on. He was not done because he really needed to land, land the ball. They have a horrible candidate who's a horrible president. They make up things constantly. You take a look at when I use Barack Hussein Obama and I interject him into where it's supposed to be Biden. And I do it purposely for comedic reasons and for sarcasm, because a lot of people say that Obama's running the country, not Biden, because he's sleeping all the time. They say, oh, I don't know the name of the president. Or when I imitate this guy getting off a stage, what they do is they say, oh, he had trouble getting off a stage. I have no trouble getting off a stage. <laughs> Anybody that watches what I do at rallies would say, wow, that's amazing. He can go two hours without a teleprompter, not making even a little mistake. Very few people, maybe almost nobody can do what I do. So here's the story. <laughs> the disinformation of the Democrats is unbelievable. They do it because they have a horrible candidate. Don't associate me with the mental midget that you portray, because I want to tell you, he should not be leading this country. And hopefully, on November 5th, he's not going to be. We're going to have a big election. We're going to have a big victory. And we're going to make America great again. Thank you. That's, that's the applause guy. Let me be the applause guy. But what, the mental midget, man, he's feeling this. He's standing in front of a camera delivering this. I, you know, Donald Trump isn't a teleprompter guy. He, the, the teleprompter to him is the opposite of the teleprompter for Joe Biden. <laughs> Nothing will get done and said if there's no teleprompter in front of Joe Biden. The teleprompter is to make sure that every, in everything that Donald Trump does say, that it, he at least gets to the point <laughs> least of the actual conference. Things. Yes. He is so right. And Seth Meyers, like, listen, I'm always worried I'm going to come on here and kind of dunk on someone or slam on somebody because they make a mistake. And I'm going to find out the next day. Ooh, Annie, you were wrong about this. Seth Myers, how embarrassing. Are you slipping? I'd like to know. That's hilarious. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 